Hey, good morning, everybody. Y'all doing good? Look at your neighbor and check on them. Ask them, you doing all right? Just check on them. Look at your other neighbor and say, you finished your Christmas shopping yet? Just ask them. Thank you, brother. It's Sunday. So happy that you're here with us today. Everybody's doing all right? Y'all good? All right. Had some folks filling in some spots for us today. Yeah, come on. We did all right. They did all right. A few folks jumping in. Thank you guys for filling in. Y'all pray for Cynthia. She's not feeling well. We need to get her better for Christmas, right? Got Christmas to do. See, y'all lift her up. She's at home watching online. She better be anyway, right? She better be. I want to go to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. had a pretty awesome moment on Friday. Uh, we were able to give some gift cards to a needy family. And uh, just th- those reactions to see that mom just receive those cards and know that she's going to be able to take care of Christmas for her kids is pretty awesome. It is. And I have to say a huge thank you to everybody who gives to make those kinds of things happen because that's, that's the real stuff, my man. That is the real stuff. So thank you for your giving. Let's jump in. Matthew chapter 1. Y'all ready for this today? Come on, look at your neighbor and say, you ready? You ready? Here we go. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. It says, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Anybody been having some dreams lately? (laughs) It's like, hold on, Lord, before we get too far in this dream, let me make sure you ain't about to change the world. You know what I'm saying? Especially mine. That's what was happening to Joseph. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. I like that. God with us. Let's pray. Father, we love you and thank you for this day. Just pray that this time that we have together right now to worship, to receive from your word, I pray that you will speak hope and speak life. I pray that this service today isn't just a Sunday to get through, to get to Christmas, but I pray that today is a day that we give our attention to you, to hear what you want to say. So, Father, use me to be a voice. Use me to bring hope and faith and peace and joy to every person in this place. Anoint my lips, Father. Let them speak forth with life today. Anoint every ear to hear what you're trying to say, what you're trying to get through to each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Uh, Yesterday, my daughter and I, we were in the mall. Come on, anybody been to the mall lately? Come on, I want to see your hand if you've been to the mall lately. It's really not that bad, am I right? It's not. It wasn't as bad as Target, I have to be honest with you. 
And it really wasn't as bad as Academy. If you were Academy yesterday, you were on the back wall waiting in line. It was just one of those days, man. But you know what? I noticed that people were pretty nice. People were nice. I know. It's like, huh, who would have thought? But people were pretty nice. A little bit of traffic, but hey, that's what you expect at this time of the year. But when we were in the mall, right by the Santa setup, I saw the countdown clock. And it's counting how many days till we get to Christmas. And it reminded me of this little chalkboard that my kids had for a Christmas countdown. And it, it was this little small board, and we always put it at the bottom of the steps. And, and during the Christmas month, they would come down, and they would erase the last date and write a number, another number because they were counting down the days till they got to Christmas. How many of y'all remember when you were a kid, you counted down the days? And now we're just counting up the days. How many days? I've been doing this for how many days? But there's such an anticipation when you're a kid and you're so excited that, that there is something that is about to wait. And it's really like a waiting game for the kids. And they say it over and over. I just can't wait. I just can't wait. And mom's over there. I can. I need some more time. And it's just this time crunch. And, and I love that anticipation I love how these kids just know that in a few days, it's going to be the best day of my life. And those moments, some of you, you're going back to your childhood and you remember that. But it's funny what happens as you get a little bit older. It's no longer a countdown for you. It changes. We begin to count up the number of days instead of counting down. Instead of it being anticipation, it's stress. Instead of it being joy, it's just like, ah, do we have to really do this? But I love the anticipation of a, of a child that is counting the days because in that time that they are waiting, in that time they are counting down, it feels like nothing is happening, but they got a sense that something is happening. It doesn't look like anything is happening. It doesn't. They're just waiting. They just see another number. Like today, we're a week away. I know some of you are like, oh my goodness, yes. But every kid is like, yes, let's do this. And they're all fired up. And even though they don't see anything, there is this anticipation that behind the scenes, there are things that are taking place that in just a few days, it is going to change their lives. And I love that anticipation. And I just wonder for each and every one of us, do we feel the same way about what God may have in store for our lives? Or are we so busy counting the number of days that it's been a struggle that we can't see the possibility that today could be the day that it breaks? Today could be the day that it all changes. No, most of the time, you know what we're saying? Well, that's 39 days this family has been sick like this. Been feeling this way for the last four years. And you listen to a kid, they're on the other side. What is today is the day? Is today it, Mom? Is today going to be the day? And you know, all that excitement's like, kid, calm down. Whew. Can't do all this. But it's amazing how different we measure this. And I just wonder for you, are you in countdown mode for what God has for your life? Or are you still counting up? The number of days. Well, God, it's been three years, seven days, and 16 minutes. I don't know what's taking you so long. Are you in the place? God, I got a feeling something's about to happen. Something's about to break through. Where are you at when it comes 
to waiting on the promise of God. Where are you? Is it with a, a frustrated heart? Or is it with an expectant heart? To think about things happening behind the scenes. You ever had that moment where you were in discussion with someone and they were questioning what all you do? Like at work and stuff. And you, you, you go into that, that line of, if I told you everything that I did at work, First of all, you wouldn't believe me. Come on, y'all know what I've, y'all ever had that conversation before? And you say, where do you want me to start? Where do you want me to start? And I don't know if that's pride or if that's just so much frustration that is mounted up over a period of time. But when you really start to go through the lines of everything, it's this feeling that people don't really know what all it takes for you to do what you do. Amen? Like some of you, it takes a lot of work to just to do your job. It takes a lot of work for you to get your family. Like Everybody's like, you see my family here. You don't know what we went through just to get here. Can I hear an amen from somebody? You don't know what I went through. Wait on my wife today. We would have been here early. We could have. We should have. And I'll get going into details. But there's this, this thought, this process that something is happening behind the scenes that everyone cannot see. And what if God is working behind the scenes in your life and you just do not see it, but because of the position that you've put yourself in with your faith, a frustrated faith, an agitated faith, you're no longer even looking for it anymore because all you know is, here we go, another day. Another day of anxiety. Another day of stress. Another day I got to deal with this. Another day I got to deal with that. Am I right? It's like, what is wrong with us? Like, what happened to the excitement? What happened to the anticipation of another day? How many of you have that kid that just wakes up early? You know what I'm talking about? Like, they just wake up early, and you're just like, what is wrong with you, kid? Why do you want to wake up so early? And they're waking up like, let's do this. Let's tear this thing up today, y'all. And you're like, no, we're not tearing nothing up today. It's Monday. Don't mess with me on Monday. And that kid's like, Monday is my favorite day of the week. And you ask them why, they're like, because that's where it all starts. Let's go, Mom. And they're like, no, I ain't going. By the way, your kids don't have school tomorrow. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> just felt like I need to tell you the truth. <sighs> that anticipation, though, like, when did it change for us? Am I right? Like, when did, when did we go from the countdown to the count up? When did we go from the expectation and excitement of what could happen and fell into this this rut of, oh, here we go again? And that becomes the position of things like our prayers. That becomes the position of of how we treat people and how we handle situations. And we try our best to be as positive as we can about it. But if that's our position, we ain't going to be too positive about it. But what if all along God is up to what he is going to do in your life, but because you can't see it? Think of that. At some point in our lives, we transition from, I don't have to see it to believe it. He said it. Let's go with it. We turn into, I'm not going to believe it until I can see it. And this is really, can I be honest, this is really childlike faith that we as adults struggle with the most. 
I, I, want, I want us to, to talk about this for a moment. As adults, we struggle with childlike faith. Chances are because of some of the things that have happened to us in our lives. And it's, it's kind of put us in a disposition. Oh, Father, put me in the position that you want me. You know that prayer we'll pray? So I'm going to be positioned for glory, positioned for purpose, positioned for promise. You know, all that exciting preaching. But we have what I would call a disposition. Because of the things that we've walked through, some of the things that we've endured, the times that we have been let down by other people and took that and deflected it on the glory and who God really is as a person and think if they did it, then surely that's how God is. And we have this disposition that we're approaching so many things of God all the way down to the promises of God that are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. We question it because we've never seen it like that before. But just because you can't see it doesn't mean that there's not something happening behind the scenes. Just because you hadn't heard someone talking about it lately doesn't mean that God isn't doing it. And whenever I look at this Christmas story, it's literally a countdown to a promise. And they had to wait a while. Well, here we go. 700 years since old Isaiah told us that this was going to happen and we'll see what happens this year. And then there are others that are sitting there saying, this could be the year. This could be the year the Messiah comes. This could be the year that the sins are finally forgiven. This could be the year that hope shows up, that Emmanuel, God with us, is actually here in person. I can't wait for the year. And I ask you again, which position are you in? Which position have we allowed ourselves to slide into because it's just not going the way we like and it's not happening when we like it to happen And it's not always at our convenience because in our inconvenience, sometimes God's trying to develop something like our character. Touch your neighbor right now. Just touch him. Don't hit him. Touch him and say, that was for me. (laughs) That was for me. You thought I was going to say, tell him that was for you. That's for me. Matthew 1 begins with the genealogy of Jesus. So, all right. If you're going to read the Christmas story to your family, don't start with Matthew 1, verse 1. Just don't. Because everybody's checking out by verse 2. Everybody. Okay? I encourage you, start with verse 18. Okay? But if you look at Matthew 1, it begins with the genealogy of Jesus. And it goes back almost 4,000 years. That's a long time. Emphasis on time. That's a long time. We're in this series right now called Times and Season. 4,000 years, and there's this lineage review. Long time, lots of people, and there's a lot of stuff that happened in all those years. Did you know that in the genealogy of Jesus, there's a murderer in there? Oh, yeah. It's in the family. Did you know that there's a fugitive in the genealogy of Jesus. Some of y'all are sitting there saying, well, God can't do anything with my family. And God's like, <laughs> have you seen ours? <laughs> like, think of this. The first man and woman on earth married and all kind of craziness happens in the first family on this planet. I'm not just trying to make you feel better. I'm just trying to get you to see that people can be very peoply. Can I get an amen at Christmas time? People can be peoply. 
But in the bloodline of Jesus, in his genealogy, there's some murderers, there's some fugitive, there's some liars, there's some backstabbers, there's even a prostitute. That's what he's got. There were a lot of seasons that have happened in those 4,000 years. There were a lot of people. There were a lot of events that took place. But all through it, God still had a plan. And even though at times it looked all messed up, and you know what I'm talking about because we're about to go into the beginning of the year, and you're going to start your Bible reading plan. And you're going to get to like Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. Some of y'all are like, I ain't reading that book because I can't even say it. And you're going to start feeling like, why do I need to go read about all these people? I see all this happening already in my life. Why do I need to be reading about all their craziness? And I'm so appreciative that the Lord included that in his word to give us a picture that he wasn't looking for perfection. Amen. He was looking for some people who would just say yes and who would just follow him. And through the bloodline, through the genealogy of Jesus, there were some generations who got it right. There were some generations they didn't get it all right, but God still worked it all together. And it led ultimately to the birth of Jesus. And even though your life, you may look back, there were some good times for your family and some not so good times. When you look back, you can thank God you're at where you are today because you could have been taken out a long time ago, just like the generations before you. That one thing in your family could have taken you out, but you're still fighting the good fight of faith. Amen. You're still fighting the good fight of faith. And you say, I'm not giving up. I'm not going down. I'm not going out like this. Amen. Some endurance. Because God had a plan. And every time I say that, there are moments where I just think, yeah, he's got a plan. And then there are moments where I think, he's got a plan. And he's working it. And sometimes when I don't see it, I have to remember, wait a minute, he's the author. He's the finisher of the faith. And if I can't see the plan, all I got to do is look at the one who's making the plans and trust in him. So today what I want to do is use this for a backdrop of this message called Countdown to a Promise. Countdown to a Promise. And if you want a subtitle, we're going to call it The Time is Coming. The Time is Coming. And I want to give you three things to remember when you're in the countdown to a promise. Three things you got to remember. Uh, you may say it like this, while you're waiting. Three things you must remember while you're waiting. But I'm going to say three things to remember when you're in a countdown. While I'm waiting just sounds negative. While I'm waiting makes it sound like I'm not sure if it's going to happen. But if I say I'm in a countdown to a promise, oh, I'm looking at it different because I, I, I know it's coming. And sometimes, can I say this? Sometimes we like to condition how we present that because we have this fear factor that what if it doesn't happen the way that I think it's going to happen? I don't want to be embarrassed for believing that it was going to happen. Like we got to cover for God. Seriously. Where is the all-in faith? Like a child that just believes because that's what he said. Well, that's my dad told me. Well, I don't think it's going to, but you, you don't know my dad. My dad will beat up your dad. Y'all know that little conversation you had several times? 
Three things to remember when you're in the countdown to a promise. Number one, it takes time. It takes time. Can I get an amen from somebody who got some wisdom and maturity in here that knows that it takes a little bit of time? So here's the thing. You like good things, and we like it right now, but all the good things usually take a little bit of time. Am I right? And sometimes we think that it's God who's taking so long. Seriously, I just want to have that real upfront conversation about this because it's very easy for us to get frustrated with God and get mad because God isn't doing it on my timeline. Well, what if that isn't the correct timeline? What if God's trying to get you on his timeline? The timeline of eternity rather than the timeline of your time. Because time isn't a good measurement. Eternity is better. There's more in eternity for you than what time is ever going to give you. Seriously. Over the course of 4,000 years, many waited. They were waiting for the coming of a Savior. They were waiting for the Messiah. There were prophecies that were told. There were shadows and types and pictures all through the Old Testament. There were men of God that stood up and announced that this is how it's going to happen. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming. And so many people, because it took a little bit of time, they just believed that it wasn't going to happen. Is time eating up your faith? Is the time factor messing with the faith factor in your life because it's taking longer than what you thought it was? Just because it takes longer doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. It just means it's taking longer. It's taking some time. When you look through the Bible, you see these great men of God like Abraham. And you see how he had faith in God. God gave him a promise to have a child and he's hitting like 99 years old and he's kind of like hey lord <laughs> you still think we'll be able to pull that off <laughs> get a little old over here and it still happened and all of nature would tell you that can't happen like that all natural means would say there is no way possible but even though natural means may say no way God still has a plan. When you look at Moses, the story of Moses, the faith of a mom to take a child and put him in a basket and send it down a river. It's absolute craziness. But God would deliver that basket right to the house of Pharaoh. That the one that would deliver the children of Israel from slavery in Egypt, God would send a deliver right into that house to get them out of that house. None of us would say, that's how I would do it. But that's how the Lord did it. And it worked. That's Moses. Think about David. You would hear all these prophecies about one who's going to come, and he's going to unite the kingdom, and he's going to be a warrior, and it's David. And David has his mishaps, but he's still that king. And we hear that Jesus is in the bloodline of King David, referred to time to time as the son of David. Then we see the great prophet Isaiah prophesying him. And it almost feels like a series of friends 
who try to encourage you. You know what I'm saying? How many of y'all got some good friends that will encourage you? Like when you just feel like throwing in the towel, they're just like, don't throw in the towel yet. God hasn't forgotten about you. And then you got those friends that say, yep, if I were you, I'd get out of there. And that's a time to reevaluate. Seriously. But having those friends that just say, let's do this. Let's keep believing God. I know people may abandon you, but I'm going to stand with you in faith, believing that God's got a promise for you. Let's hang in there. I know it's taken some time, but I'm going to take time and hang right here in faith with you. That's a good friend. And you don't just need that friend. You need to be that friend. Come on, somebody. Just take some time. Took some time. And when you think about these great men of God in the Bible that we read about, they didn't even get to see Jesus in person. Think of that. Isaiah prophesies it. I mean, if you're going to prophesy it, I would think you need to see it. I mean, Lord, you're putting me out here on a limb in front of all the world. You're putting it in the Bible for people generation after generation to read. Like, if I get to say it, I get to see it. Nope. Still believed. When you, when you go to the book of Hebrews and read through chapter 11, and you see all these great names, and they were all accredited righteousness, and you look at them, they all had this great faith, even though they never saw Jesus, they still believed. It was just taking some time. It was taking a little bit of time. And some would say, why is God taking so long? What has taken you so long? You ever had to wait on somebody recently and it's like, what are you doing? Where are you at? What's taking so long? Kids, what's taking you so long? Or maybe you're the kid. Mom, where have you been? You think back to how incredible God created it all in the beginning. Put man and woman in the garden, living in paradise, worry-free. Had a few responsibilities. God just said, stay away from that one tree. And don't you know what they did? They ate from that tree. And right there, they introduced the curse to mankind. And because of that one action, God has to take you through a process, not just to fix it, but to make it right. There's a difference because a lot of times we settle for quick fixes instead of making it right. And God wants to make it right. What did David pray? He said, create in me a clean heart and renew a what? A right spirit in me. I want it to be right, God. I want it to be all right. And while I'm waiting, I don't want to get wrong. I don't want to get messed up thinking that it's not going to happen. I want my spirit to be right so that when the time comes, I don't miss it because my spirit's all jacked up because I had to wait longer than I thought I would. And I listened to a few friends who told me I should just roll. Come on now. Take some time. So I want you to keep this in mind. It's going to be hard to see what God has for you when our eyes get so fixed on all the things that we can do for ourselves. Oh, well, if I'm going to wait, I'm going I'm to I'm find a quick way. I'm going to find a shortcut. I'm going to I'm going to make it happen. Can I tell you, it's not about what you make happen. It's what the sovereign one, the almighty God wills to happen. And when it comes to the will of God, when it comes to the ways of God, it's all about alignment. I've got to align myself with him. And too many times we're trying to get God to align himself with us. And God said, no, 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 come follow me. 
come follow me. And it takes some time because, listen, when it comes to following God, there's some ways in us that don't want to go that way. Lord, why are you doing that? Like, why do you want me to go forgive that person? I would rather just leave them alone, never see them again. No, we're going to forgive them. Well, they don't deserve my forgiveness. I know, but you need it. Because if you don't forgive them, your spirit will be all messed up. And this could be the place that you get off track and your faith gets derailed and you miss it later on. And it's not because I didn't have it for you, but you got off track right here in that place. Take some time. So it's not just a matter of us waiting on God. Sometimes it's God working on us. I will say this. If you feel like you're in some waiting right now, it's probably because God's in some working right now. He's just not ready. He's working. And chances are he's not working on it. (laughs) He's working on you. Go ahead and nudge your neighbor and say, he's working on us. He's working on us. So number one, it takes some time. It takes some time. Number two, it endures some trouble. It takes some time, and it endures some trouble. I need to make you feel better about some things right now. Okay, y'all ready for this? There was some drama surrounding the fulfillment of God delivering this promise. There was some drama. Because God wasn't doing it the way the people like. I think we would have much rather Jesus to be delivered in the palace. And instead of that, that manger, you know, whether it was a wood or a stone manger, I'm not sure what it is. Y'all can argue about it. All I know is it was a manger. I think that it could have been a little bit more acceptable if it would have been in the palace. Am I right? On a gold stand. Like a golden bed with nice, nice... Organic cotton linens. No GMOs. Gluten-free. Keto. Vegan. And all those other things. And that's not the way the Lord did it. And watch this, because that wasn't the way the Lord did it. And because of the scene that, it, that, that Jesus arrived in, There was this feeling that that's not how God would deliver the weighted one, the Messiah, the Almighty One who was going to come and take away the sins of the world. That's not how God would do it. And we can sit here today because we've read the rest of the story and criticize them and say, I can't believe you people. You were in Bible times and you couldn't get it right. Well, we've got the benefit of the entire Bible. Know who Jesus is and God's given us the promise of the Holy Spirit and we can't even get it right. What in the world? There was some drama surrounding all that. Like, think about Joseph. Joseph was like, I'm about to walk away from her. This whole idea of angels showing up and saying, you pregnant, and now people finding out, I got to go. I got to go. I got a reputation. And then the Lord had to speak to him. Don't go nowhere, Joseph. You better marry that woman. Can you imagine that conversation? And you say, how do you know he had that? Because that's the conversations we have. It starts like this. I'm going to tell you how the first two words of that conversation with God. Y'all want to know how it starts? But Lord, I want you to do this. But Lord, 
Like the Lord's going to begin speaking to you about fasting over the next few days. He will. And the Lord's going to say, I want you to fast this. And your first reaction is going to be, but Lord, if I don't have that, I'm going to die. And the Lord's like, that's exactly why you don't need to have that. But Lord, there's, there's some drama sometimes around how God does some things. Now, I'm not telling you go create some drama. How many of y'all know we got enough? We don't need to create any more. But sometimes the drama of it isn't with other people. It's with ourselves. Because that's not how I would have done it. And we are the ones who get dramatic. The Lord ain't getting dramatic. We are. We get dramatic because that's not how I would do it. The reputation of Joseph is pretty important here, y'all. Because Jews paid a lot of attention to the genealogies. And here's Joseph. We're talking about his reputation on the line for his generation. How is he going to be seen as a father? And better yet, if Jesus is going to be his son, how is his son going to be seen to other people if this is the process through which God was delivering it? Because it doesn't look too legit in the eyes of man. And sometimes there are some things that God is doing in our lives that when other people look at it, it doesn't seem legit. When you're praying that prayer to them, they hear it and it doesn't seem legit to them because they don't have that type of faith. Their faith is more in explanations and reasons and all the things that can be proven. Amen. And sometimes the prayer, praying and believing for that, it doesn't make sense. But we still pray and we still believe anyway because it's not according to our will, but it's according to his. Amen. And it's a struggle because our will is strong. Our will is is really strong. It took you a lot to get your will to where you are. It took a lot of frustrating moments with your parents where you did what you wanted and they tried to bring you back in line and you still decided, I ain't doing it. All of that shaped your will. I need you to know, my dad shaped my will. He didn't play. Come on now. It was the will of God and the will of Jimmy. The fear of God and the fear of Jimmy. Thank you, Dad. Thank you, Dad. I'm not traumatized. I was changed. Thank you, Dad. You look at this story with Jesus. Mary becomes pregnant during the engagement. It's drama. It's not from Joseph. Now we're talking scandal. Joseph wants to end the relationship. Man. It's starting to feel like, what is this? And yet even through all of the trouble, God's still working the plan. The plan didn't change because there was trouble surrounding it. This is what I need you to see. This is what we're talking about today. It takes a little bit of time. The plan doesn't change because you're getting tired of waiting. The plan's coming. It's just not here yet. And the second thing is, the plan isn't changing because there's trouble. The plan will endure because it came from God. It's God's plan. It's an eternal plan. And it can, it can penetrate through all of time. Have you ever felt like there was just too much trouble involved for anything good to come out of something? That's just too much trouble in that. Just, that's just too much. It's just too much. What if God is using the too much to change much inside of us? 
What if that's the way that God wants to deliver some things through our lives? Don't disconnect from God's plans just because your plans aren't going as planned. Did you hear that? Just because God, your plans aren't going the way you want them to go, don't disconnect from God's plan. I feel like this sometimes. I feel like we know God has a plan. And what we do is, okay, I got that in mind. I kind of got my eye on it over there. But I'm going to make all of these plans and just kind of like include a little bit of that. But I'm going to run with this and all of my prayers and all of my hopes and all of my requests and all that. God, I want you to, to come make all of this work out. And watch this. And if all of this works out, then I can do all of your plan. I know. It's almost like we put ourselves in the place of, God, you've got to make everything, all my wishes come true for me in order for me to be able to do all the things that you wish for me. And I need you to know that's not how the Lord works. And can I just say this? A lot of the trouble that we have in our lives where we can't figure out why God's not doing it and why this happened, a lot of that comes from our plan being disconnected from God's plan. Amen? Amen? I know. Merry Christmas. Feliz Navidad and Happy New Year. I know, but you need to hear this because what if you go a whole nother year expecting God to, to, to jump off of his throne to come and watch you sit on yours and just come at your wish and command and make it all happen because he's not going to jump off the throne. Amen? And a lot of the time that it's taken is to help you to see that you can't dethrone God but that he needs you to jump off of your throne so that you can sit in the heavenly places that he has, pla- he has planned for you, that you can stand into positions that he wants for you. In other words, quit trying to play God and just follow. Amen? Whew. Happy New Year. Let's do this. Don't allow the troubles that you're going through make you think that there is no more promises. Don't let what's happening in the world make you feel like God's forgotten about what's happening. Remember, we're in a countdown to a promise. We have an anticipation that God is going to do something. I'm not counting up the number of bad days. I'm counting down all these days because I know something has come. And I've got to go through some time to get there. And I may have to go through some trouble to get there. But I want to get there. Amen. And when I get there, I don't want to be so messed up that I miss it. I want to get there. And so for me to be able to get there, it's going to take some alignment. It's going to take me changing from my will to his will. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20, for all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes, and through Christ our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. The promises, there's already a yes on it. And why are we living like there's a no? I already told you we were going to do it, honey. Yeah, but it was taking some time. I just thought you changed your mind. I never said that. You ever had that argument? 
well, you just never said anything. Well, I didn't change just because I didn't say it doesn't mean we did we changed it. Well, I just kind of thought because nothing was happening. Y'all know that little combo? There are people there are people that when they hear the phrase the best is yet to come, they get agitated a little bit. You know what I'm saying? And not for political reasons, by the way. But because they're sitting there saying, well, if the best is yet to come, where is it at? Seriously. And I think we always need to have the outlook of the best is yet to come. Even when it's dark days. Even when it's a struggle. Even when it feels like it's uphill. Come on, we ain't finished. The best is coming. I have an anticipation. I have something in mind. And it's all that God has for me. And I'm not going to miss it just because it got hard. There's a little bit of tenacity in that type of faith. Amen? Come on, how many of you want some tenacity in your faith? Yeah, some tenacity. So here's the third thing. When you're counting down to promise, the third thing is it requires trust. Take some time. It endures some trouble, but it requires trust. So many times we look at the battles that we face in our lives and sometimes the struggles that we're dealing with right now, we think that is the biggest battle of our life. And I can tell you, you're fighting some significant battles, but I need you to hear me. The biggest battle of your life is the fight of faith. Because if you lose faith in God, whatever battle that you're in right now, hope is leaking right out of this thing. Peace is going right out the window. When we lose faith in God, the thought that God could restore, it now puts it in the place of a person to do what only God can do. Think about it. If it's a relationship and we lose faith in God, now it's all up to what that other person does. And if they do it, Great, it worked. If they don't do it, I kind of had a feeling that was going to happen anyway. But faith in God is, God, I don't know what that person's going to do. I don't know what they're thinking. But I'm trusting you with that son of mine who's away. I'm trusting you with my spouse that even though they're in the house, they feel like they're a million miles away. I'm trusting you with them. Come on trusting you. I can't trust what people are going to do. I can't even figure out what the outcome is going to be. I can try my best to plan. I can try my best to adapt. But ultimately, I know it's in your hands, God. And so rather than trying to pull all the strings to make it work myself, God, I'm just going to follow you. I'm attaching my strings to you. What did Paul say? I'm a slave. I make myself a slave to Christ. In other words, I'm so committed to follow you, God, that I would change my status to be the least of the lowest, all so that I could be connected with you. Because you are better than anything else. It requires trust. When we don't see the changes we expected, it requires a trust that keeps going. When it seems like it's getting worse, it requires trust. When we get the news that we weren't expecting, it comes right back to, I don't know what we're going to do. We're going to trust God. 
You say, well, Pastor Wade, is that your answer for everything? Pretty much, yeah. Because if I lose faith in God, I lost it all. When I lose faith in God, I'm just saying I don't think the promise is going to happen. When I look at Joseph, what he was going through when he almost divorced Mary. Where he almost said, I can't do this. Think of this. He almost. Because his reputation would be a failure. Because this wasn't happening the way everybody thought. But he chose to believe God regardless. And I will say it like this. He had an even though kind of faith. An even though kind of faith. I like that. The plans and promises of God require an even though kind of faith. So watch this. I believe God for my salvation even though I have a history of sin. Ah. Come on, that's like, oh, I'm jumping on that one, Pastor Wade. God did some things, and I need the Lord to forgive me. It takes an even though faith, because we know that the enemy likes to bring up our past. And can I tell you, it's not even about your past. It's about your faith in God and what he has for you for now on. Amen? And the enemy's just trying to get history to repeat itself. That's why generational curses and generational practices happen. It's just trying to get you on the same cycle. But an even though faith says, even though that's in my family, I believe God that it's changed. I believe God that it's broken. I believe that it's a new day. Even though I see some things, I mean, even though there's some temptations, even though there's some cultural things, even though I still believe God. Amen? Some even though kind of faith. I believe God has a plan for my life, even though my life might be a mess. Even though we might be going through that divorce. Even though I know God's got a plan for my family. Even though last night we had a big blow up. Come on. I know God's got something for us. I know the best is yet to come, even though this is what we're experiencing right now. Do you have an even though kind of faith? Even though. believe God can do it, even though I don't see how. One of the things I've learned is that faith, it starts with a choice. I just choose to believe. Is that hard? Yeah, but I just keep making the choice. And the more I make the choice, the easier it gets. But when I sometimes make the choice and sometimes don't, and I seesaw back and forth, it's harder to make that choice. And even though faith, can I say it like this? Are you convinced yet that his way is the best way? Let's say it like that. Am I convinced yet? Let's go back to what we started with, that childlike faith. That child is convinced. Have somebody try to tell him otherwise. And you know what he's going to say? Uh-uh. I don't know if y'all know what that means. That's an even though kind of faith that anything that comes, any word that is spoken that is contradictory to what was told to him, it's, a, it's, it's received with a uh-uh, uh-uh. Because I know what my father said. I know his plans for me are good. I know what God's got for me. And so even though I'm facing all of this and it's trying to tear me down, it's trying to pull me from, from, from what I believe, I still believe God because God's plans are good and God is more consistent than I am and more consistent than the people who are trying to tell me to do some other thing. 
Amen? And so I choose to have an even-though kind of faith because God is good. Not just right now, but generation after generation after generation. And there's a genealogy in the Bible to prove it, that the promises of God was not hijacked because somebody didn't do it right in the bloodline. It wasn't missed because somebody didn't get it all right because he makes it all work together. Amen? But he's looking for something in us. He's looking for you and I to have some even though kind of faith. And I'm sure Joseph was saying, even though I'm going to look like a kind of scandalous kind of guy, I'm just going to go with it, Lord. I'm going to go with it. And I'm glad he went with it because it's affecting our lives still to this day. I look at Mary. Come on, this was a young girl and she went with it. Don't overlook what God may be doing in the young person's life. Come on. They went with it. It was an even though kind of faith. Do you have an even though kind of faith? I'm talking about a faith that keeps you from giving up. It keeps you holding on. It, it, it keeps you going no matter what you may face. It keeps you in your place when everything is falling apart. And maybe you don't see it all. But can you see him? So we've been telling you about the beginning of the year, 21 days of prayer and fasting. And can I tell you the biggest reason why we do the 21 days of prayer and fasting? It's not so I can bring my long list of prayer requests to the Lord that he may grant every single thing, although I will pray for him. We do the 21 days of prayer and fasting so that I can get all the things out of the way that keep me from seeing him. It removes some things out of my life so I can tune in and hear him, so I can see him. And I don't know where you are with your faith right now. Maybe you're worn down from waiting. Maybe you're doubting. Maybe you're questioning. Maybe there's been some events that has taken place in your life that's caused you to have a different approach to the Lord than childlike faith and put you in the place of sophisticated faith. A faith that we try to conjure up that will protect us from anything bad that will ever happen. It's not all the way faith. It's far enough kind of faith that if I needed to get out or get off of this then there is no consequence to it whatsoever. Come on, am I talking to anybody today? And I just feel like the Lord's saying, I can be trusted. And can I just say this? He's the best thing you've got. He's the best thing you've got. Every head bowed, every eye closed in here today because... I know there are folks that are in this room right now that you thought the battle that you were fighting was the battle, but now you're realizing the battle is the battle of faith. And you say, Pastor Wade, uh, how do you, like, how do you know? If you're trying to control it, you know you're in the fight of faith. If you're trying to make it all happen, you're in the fight of faith. 
And today, I just want to lead you to the place that you can just say, God, I trust you. I don't know how to control the outcome, but I know how to choose to trust you. If you're in here right now and you know you're in a fight of faith, I just want you to lift a hand. You're fighting in your faith. Come on, anyone else? There's hands going up all across this room. It doesn't have to be this massive thing. It could be something small. It may be a career decision. A fight of faith. And the same time you want to go for it, there's another part of you that says you better not. even though the Lord may be leading you right on forward. I want those of you who raised your hand to stand to your feet right now. Come on, I just want to pray over you today. Just lift your hands as you stand. Come on, lift your hands like you're surrendering. Father, today we think about the child with the countdown who is so full of anticipation and excitement about what is to come. I pray that our faith will be like a child, that there is an anticipation of what is to come from you and what you want to do in us. I pray, God, that the chains of our struggles will not overcome us but the drawing of your spirit will influence us right to the place of believing you wholeheartedly like a child, believing that nothing is impossible, believing that the best is yet to come. And Father, every thought that attacks our minds to try to remind us of that time and that one season and that one time that we tried before and that other time where we tried to believe and back in the day when that other person that you looked up to tried and this happened to them and we don't want that to happen. God, I just pray that right now in this time that you will bring redemption to all of those times that have affected the faith of us looking forward. And I pray, Father, that we will have an enduring faith that even though it may take time and even though we may go through some troubles, Father, today we make the choice that we're trusting you. And we know that that trust and that, uh, that trust and that belief in you will lead us to the place of taking steps. It will lead us to the place of obedience. And God, that's where I ask you for your grace on every single person in here, for the grace to take the steps that you are leading them in as they go forward. And Father, I pray that the chains of the past will be broken and removed from their life as we look forward and believe that the best is yet to come. The healing is yet to come. The redemption is yet to come. The restoration of the family is yet to come. We stand together and believe it. The business, the success of the business is yet to come, Father. We declare it now, Father. All of your promises are yes and amen and Christ Jesus. And I just pray, Father, for faith that endures. Faith that will endure. Faith that will endure. Come on. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't let it overwhelm you. I know that's a big decision you got to make. I know. But don't let it take you out. 
grace, Father. Thank you for your grace. In the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, everyone else in here, will you stand to your feet this morning? Come on, just lift your hands to God. Father, I thank you. You're still a healer. You still heal. Thank you, God, that you're a savior. You still save. For those prodigal sons and daughters that are away, and it looks like they're getting further and further away. Father, today we are thankful that your Holy Spirit is going out to draw them. Father, for every hopeless situation today, I pray that we won't lose hope in you. Pray we won't lose faith. I pray you will restore it. You will renew it today. In the name of Jesus, you said you're God with us. God, we need you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, how many of you needed this today?